Let's go! Touchdown, and Brady has done it again! It's caught! Touchdown, Tampa Bay! Fire the cannon! Tom Brady is a seven-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback, and right now, he's bringing that championship perspective to the airwaves, taking on all of the trending stories happening on and off the field. Great work ethic, great determination. If you are a great player, you want to be great every year. The all-time touchdown passing record, number 566. This is Let's Go. Let's Go! Presented by Hertz. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jim Gray. Hello again, everyone. Let's go. Let's go. Presented by Hertz. This is the best of Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray, and this season had an absolute pleasure to once again bring you insight and analysis on football and so much more with the one and only Tom Brady and the great Larry Fitzgerald. We're going to bring you the best of the best here today. As a reminder, the full extended versions of every conversation this season are currently available on the SXM app or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Let's Go. We're presented and brought to you by Hertz. You can change the scenery without ever changing your standards. That's right. No matter where you are with Hertz, you'll always find exactly the right vehicle to make your let's go moment unforgettable. Visit Hertz.com to book today. Hertz, let's go. On Let's Go, we strive to talk about the greatest things in the world of sports with those who participate and who are the greatest in the world of sports. And this summer, we all witnessed the home run performance in the American League by Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees, who hit a record 62 on the season to outslug Roger Maris. And this October, he was kind enough to join Tom and I on Let's Go and discuss what it takes to make history. I always, I always kick myself at the end of the year. You know, when I look back on the year and how it went, I'd be like, man, you know what? I get how many at bats did I give away throughout the year? You know, how many at bats in April and May, early in the year when you're still trying to figure out your swing, get your body right? You know, how many of those did you give up? And this is one thing, one of the goals I had was like, doesn't matter if it's April 1st or if it's October 1st, you know, like don't ever give an at bat or a pitch or anything up to that guy on the mound. And you know, just having that mindset to kind of lock me back in that, hey, you may not be feeling well. Well, guess what? There's, you know, 30 other guys on this on this team that don't feel well. You know, there's 30 guys on that team that don't feel well. Like, you know, suck it up and, you know, how mentally tough can you be to just kind of block everything out and just, you know, get ready for this pitch. It's That's one thing that's definitely helped out a lot. Aaron, how are you handling your name right next to Roger Maris and particularly Babe Ruth? We talk to Tom all the time because he's mentioned as the GOAT, and he's had some time now to get used to of Montana and Unitas and all the great names being next to him, but it still kind of hits him in a way, and I'll let him speak to it, hits him in a way where he doesn't think it's him. How are you dealing with that aspect? Well, it's 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 a shock, you know, because, you know, those are the names you mentioned, you know, Roger Maris, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, uh, Joey D, Joey DiMaggio. It's, the list goes on and on. These are guys that, you know, you, you see all around Yankee Stadium. You see them with their World Series rings, their World Series championships. And you're like, there's no way I could, like, those are legends. Like, those are Yankee legends, baseball greats. You know, how could I ever be mentioned with those guys i'm just starting my career i'm just only a couple of years in like you know what are you guys talking about so it's it's always a humbling experience um being in the same sentence being mentioned as some of those greats but it's <laughs> like you said it's, it's tough to get used to you know because i'm just i'm aaron judge as a kid from linden california that you know wakes up every day trying to you know help the yankees win a ball game you know so i never you know see myself as you know, someone up there with Babe Ruth or Roger Maris. So, but it's 
you know, it's something I never take for granted, that's for sure. Tommy, advise him how to handle that going forward because everybody interviewing him is going to mention it and everybody talking to him is going to think it. It's a, you know, that approach that he says he stills him, you know, when you look in the mirror every day, you know, what do you see? And, you know, Aaron sees himself and he doesn't see what people may, oh, you know, this is kind of who you remind me of or these are the people that you're, you know, being, um, you know, compared to, you know, and it's, it's the best way to do it. You know, you wake up every day and you look at the person in the mirror and you go, did I give it the best I could? And if you did, you're usually very satisfied with, you know, kind of what you become. And if you didn't, then only, you know, you got that person looking right back at you that know that you cheated yourself. So, you know, I've always felt too, and I looked up to those guys who really inspired me to play football at a young age and growing up in the Bay Area, NorCal kid, you know, I grew up with the Niners as my team and to watch Joe Montana and Steve Young and, and, and just to see how they, you know, kind of brought the success of that organization, brought this community together, that community still loves the game of football because, you know, there was so much success. And I think Aaron just continuing on the, like the Yankee legacy and obviously being in Boston for 20 years, I saw it firsthand. And, you know, I was at world series games in 2001, the nine 11 year I was at, I think game three, um, you know, I just know what those, those rivalries are all about and what the meaningful characters in those rivalries are. And Aaron mentioned a few of those, and now he gets to be part of that tradition. But you still feel the humility of where you started because you are who you are. You haven't changed. Aaron, I'm sure, hasn't changed. If he has humility, which I know he does, he looks at himself like a high school kid going to try to prove himself every day going, man, I got to go out there and I got to do my job and I got to work hard and I got to, or else I'm not going to be, you know, this person that, lives up to his own expectations. So he is who he is because of the characters that define him as a person, as a player, and as a teammate, not what other people may define him as, which, you know, it always feels good when you're internally motivated. And the only way to have the consistency that he's had is to do that and to hit 62 home runs and to still have humility. That's going to, that's a personality trait. That's a character trait. Those things aren't going to change in him. Oh, man. That means a lot. And it's, it's one of the words you, you kind of hit on there was just doing your job. And it's funny here at, at Yankee Stadium, before we go out to our dugout, we have a little sign that just says, just do your job. And I always, <laughs> always kind of tap that on my way on my way out to the field just as a reminder. Like, you know, I could have been over. I could have been over four the night before. I could have been four for four the night before. Hit a walk off, whatever. Well, guess what? That's all over with. Now, when you step on this field, you got to do your job. And that's me making a play out in the field if that's me moving a runner over if it's you know me just picking up a teammate to just strike out you know just doing little things like hey that's part of my job just go out there and do my job everything else is just bs just go out there and focus on one thing and you know that's for me what kind of builds championship teams aaron you just resolved a mystery for us <laughs> belichick got this from the yankees because oh, really? he has that same he has that same sign on the door that tom saw four million times yeah, but he's got a fourth word. Do your bleeping job. <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks to Aaron Judge. Let's Go is brought to you by Morton's The Steakhouse. Tender and flavorful in every bite, Morton's has mastered the art of a perfectly cooked USDA prime steak. Visit mortons.com to reserve at any of the more than 65 worldwide locations. That's Morton's The Steakhouse. From an all-time great season on the diamond to an all-time great scorer on the court, Tom and I were joined this October by the one and only Kevin Durant to talk about the drive to always be better, no matter what. 
I just tend to hold myself to a standard every day. And I know that it's been working for me for this long. Um, I've been successful on every team I've been on because I've had a routine. And I just try to stick to that. And that produces results, you know. And so just try to stay locked in with my teammates and stay on the same page with my coaches. But at the same time, realize I'm an individual bringing my talent to the group. So I got to be at the top of my game every day. When you're trying to be your best self and that happens to be the best in the world how does that hit you <laughs> i don't look at it that way um i feel like i master my craft i want to be the best version of myself every time i step on a court i want to be able to do everything on a basketball court um so if that you know if the best player in the world comes with that that's cool but i'm chasing something totally different every day i wake up to go to the gym so it's about perfecting my crafting and maintaining what i am and also looking for different ways to grow. Are you tortured by perfection like Tom? You say perfecting your craft. Do you still think you can improve? Yeah, it's definitely a a mental uh, battle sometimes because, you know, you've been at this elite level for so long, but, you know, you want to continue to stay. I mean, it's just a little paranoia that's in there. I don't even know how to explain it. I just just feel like if I'm not in the gym working on something, then I'm getting worse. So I want to continue to just be around the game, continue to think the game, even when I'm not at the gym. I don't know. I don't know where where that comes from, but I guess I just I just want to stay on top of what I'm doing. I think that's such a, you know, I think for certain guys and certainly KD, someone that I always look at, you know, in other sports that has the incredible determination and consistency. You know, I think some people can have discipline for short periods of time. I think anyone could have a good year. Anyone could have a good three or four years. You know, mm-hmm. that just means you have some talent and ability. I think when you look at players like him, you know, that, you know, I've been watching for a long time, it's the consistency that really sets him apart. Obviously, the elite performance, but a consistent elite performance is really challenging because there's there's a lot more that goes into that than just talent. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of talent. That'll get you to a certain point. How great you could be year after year and even you know kd thinks about this there's always someone younger and there's always something you know it's like almost you know in music you know it's great to be a great rapper in 2000 but are you still a great rapper in 2020 yeah you know are you still putting out the best album of the year year in and year out and are you competing for that and i think that's just a different level of sacrifice in terms of commitment off season you know, keeping your body the way it needs to feel. And I think one thing about KD is I always admire him for his ability to focus on the court because nothing gets in the way of what he's trying to accomplish. And everyone knows how competitive he is because it's his personality. That's why everyone wants him on the team because he's always going to elevate the other players. So it's just an amazing trait. See, it gets, and then it gets starting to get tricky, though, as I get older in age, because I'm starting to experience more as a man outside of me being an athlete. So it's like, where's the balance? Like, should I still be this, like, I'm always going to be hungry, but should I still be this, like, every day just immersed in what I'm doing, or should I continue to keep growing on that side? So it's just like, I want to keep the balance of, like, work and play. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I'm just so excited to to play the game and, like, to go out there and shoot a shot or, like, work with my teammates. So it's, it's definitely been, you know, a mental obstacle of trying to figure out what's the good balance between the two. Uh, Kevin, you've decided to uh, deal with public criticism in an authentic way. You just go right back at them. I remember 
you know, back when you were coming up, you know, social <laughs> media wasn't in the place where everybody seemingly has access or you see their comments. Yeah. And, and then you made a decision to, you know what, I'm going to speak for myself. And if that means saying something to somebody, I'm going to say it. Um, what made you decide to do that? And, and is this something that you enjoy doing or do you just want the record to be corrected? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I always enjoy, I always enjoy talking the game of basketball, you know, and I, I happen to be a topic most of the time. But I'm still just passionate when I'm talking about other players, when I'm talking about other situations and, you know, comparing errors. I'm just passionate about the game. So sometimes when I'm talking about me, I just happen to know the truth, you know. So sometimes it can look like I'm combative, but when I'm, when I'm telling the truth. So, you know, it, it may rub some people the wrong way, but, at the end of the day, it's a it's a conversation about a sport, and I don't think it gets personal. Some people may take may may you know it might get personal to for me against you know against them, but you know I don't I don't push it that way. And it's always about the game, and I don't think it's that serious to be honest. And Tom, you kind of ignore the the microscope. You just kind of ignore it all. Um, you've gone the other direction. Um, does it not make a difference to you what what's going on on online and, and social media? You know, well, I think the point is, is everyone should just be authentic to who they are. You know, some people approach it in different ways and it just has to work for them as part of your personality. So I definitely say things, you know, in the moment and, you know, I, you know, with me, my style is to just ignore as much as possible, you know, and realize that most of the people in the conversation, you know, don't have a full idea of what to you know, what's, what's really going on. Certainly in football, it's a, it's a challenge because, you know, there's so many little nuances and details to yeah. a very uh, intricate sport in terms of strategy and what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, no one really outside of what the group is, is can really help us anyway. You know, mm -hmm. I think basketball has a little different feel than that, but um, it's, uh, it's just up to your different personalities. But listen, I appreciate people that can do what Kevin does and what some other people do is just call just call it out. I have a lot of respect for that. And I'm always like, you go, get a KD, let him have it. You know, because I enjoy that part too from, because, you know, I like him. So it makes it easy to, you know, agree with his side. Be authentic. Those were Kevin Durant's words. And they were a running theme this season, echoed by a great friend, and tremendous broadcaster, Stephen A. Smith, when he joined us on Let's Go. If you want to be heard and be trusted, be authentic and be accountable. You know how many people have smiled without even seeing them? You know how many people have smiled in Tom Brady's face? Swearing up and down, they're huge supporters of his. And they'll go back to the newsroom. And they actually feed the stories to other people about what they should be writing about, what they should be talking about, et cetera, et cetera. And Tom wouldn't know the difference because obviously he's not in that newsroom, but we've seen it. My, my response to all of that is exactly who I am behind his back is exactly who I'm going to be in his face, period. Mm -hmm. Because there's a level of authenticity that everybody is owed. And so when you have that approach to things, that comes with longevity. Tom Brady, I'm here to tell you, you're going to teach people a lot. And I'm not talking about football. The kind of message that you just articulated, when you're in that booth on a weekly basis, it won't be just throwing footballs anymore. You're going to be talking. And when you're talking, trust me when I tell you, everybody's going to listen. Make no mistake about it. And you're going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked at the kind of profound impact that you're going to have.
Yeah. Get ready for it. Look forward to it. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. More on the best of Let's Go with appearances from the kings of comedy. Stay with us right here on Sirius XM. This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray along with Tom Brady. We're brought to you by USAA. USAA was started in 1922 by a group of soldiers who made a promise to always take care of their own. And after 100 years, USAA is still serving the military and their families. Find out more at USAA.com slash 100. USAA! If anyone knows longevity, it's these two guys who sat down in early November. Tom, who just wrapped up his 23rd season in the NFL, and Keenan Thompson, currently in the middle of his 20th season on Saturday Night Live. The two crossed paths when Tom hosted SNL in 2005. And as Keenan told Tom, he was so good, they'd love to have him back. That's the best thing we can ask for a host is just to participate, you know what I mean? And, and like give in to it and have a good time. So, you know, we had a great week. That <laughs> What year was that, 2004? That was 2005, and uh, it was a great week. I always, I always remember the show was so fun. Yeah. And I, I always said I was, after the show, I was, you know, everyone's going to after party, and I got in the elevator to go change. And uh, I was so bummed because I was like, wow, that was so much fun. And the crazy thing is you have no expectations for anything because I'm not an actor, you know, so I don't right. – you just go into it with just trying your best. Right. And then you realize how much fun you had doing something that was so outside of your comfort zone. And so many people embraced me and helped me and all the, all the writers. And we had so much fun, man. And you were a big part oh, of it. Oh, man, and I'm so glad you say that, man. You know what I'm saying? You, that was great. You do it whenever, you know, you want as well. Like, I'm sure the door is always open. But, you know, that just means the world to hear that because that's what we try to do. You know what I mean? Like, we want everybody to feel comfortable, especially, like, if you've never done it before, not an actor, you know, the pressure should be on us. You know, it shouldn't be on you. So that that just warms my heart, man. I love it. It was great. I remember, yeah, it, I had so much fun. And then Peyton, I think, went on after me, and he actually did better than me. So at, at some point, I got to go in and try to redeem myself. Like, I, you know, I got to get my last licks. Because yeah. Peyton was great. Yeah, he murdered it. <laughs> yeah, I remember being uh, on the, when we did Saturday Night Live together, and we did all the skits on that pre-show, you know, the live one before the yeah. live. And then afterward, we went up to Lauren's office and everyone was just on the floor. Mm-hmm. And he's a lot like Belichick. You know, he was eating his popcorn or whatever the hell he was eating. Yeah. And he's like, no, you know, scratch that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and no, not that, not that. And I'm sitting there like, man, we go on in 10 minutes. I need tequila. I got to get down. I got to get changed. I need two <laughs> shots of tequila before I go on. Like, let's get this thing going, you know. And Lauren was so poised and just, you know, oh, man, all right, we'll get it right. All right. And then everyone else was like, so relaxed which helped me relax too so you know it's amazing how it all comes together when you have that that leader like that and that preparation it's pretty amazing because it makes everyone else feel at ease too preparation preparation is key always hey uh keenan why has tom been such an easy target for so many sketches over the years what makes him (laughs) such an easy easy prey that's a messed up question. I am easy. Super easy. You know, I have a lot of quirks and a lot of flaws that are easy to get after. You're on the radar, though. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of quirky people out there that nobody cares about. You know what I mean? So we don't know that nobody's checking for. Like, they, 
you know, it doesn't really help us do anything except for make poor Joe Schmo over here. But somebody <laughs> that everybody respects love knows that that armor can't be chinked anyway or chipped anyway. You know what I mean? Like, that, that allows for the joke telling to be tried and taken in fun as opposed to, like, any sort of malice. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's good to have people, like, know that he's a good sport or whatever about what we're saying. But even if you weren't, those jokes can't affect you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> An enormous thank you to a man who's just so funny and so talented, Keenan Thompson, for joining us here on Let's Go. And we had more comedy icons. It was a pleasure to be joined by the great Adam Sandler, Tracy Morgan, and fellow comedian Bill Burr. Three legendary performers talking shop with the greatest performer in football history, Tom Brady. Like all of us, when you do things live, you know, there's other, some days where it's better than others. You know, so it's always tough when you don't have the kind of game you want. I'm sure it's tough for you guys when you don't have the night you want. So, oh, yeah, all this is live, man. You can't, there's no yeah. do overs. It's not a movie. This is a, a yeah. certain joke, don't go the way you want it to on right. stage. Oh, all, yeah. all, you, all you're thinking about is the next the next game, right? That, that's no, how it you, is when, with the next, when we're doing comedy. If it doesn't go right, you're like, oh, I gotta get when back. When things are right, though, that. Adam. I mean, we are like the 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 mind of a comedian is like the mind of a quarterback. We moving at the speed of light. While y'all laughing at this joke, we like four jokes down. Yeah, we can't even get to it. We can't. We yeah. gonna like this joke right here gonna kill. Yeah. And that's how we yeah. think. That's not how I think. I usually right. start thinking, why did I pick this career? Yeah, I think that too. Why I couldn't be a garbage man? Why I gotta do this? There's five thousand people out here. Why I gotta do this? Well, as a kid, I wanted to be a garbage man. Back when they had the guys hanging off the back of the truck, that looked like the that. job ever. The gloves hanging yeah. off the back pocket. I said, that's all the guys working on the train tracks and the subway system in New York. I said, that's a f***ing man right there. He's yeah, walking yeah, on the yeah. third rail. He's got a lantern. I wanted to be that. I actually wanted to be in the Olympics. I wanted to run 100 or the 200 in the Olympics. <laughs> But I played, I was a tailback in high school. I was pretty good too, but I was light in the ass. You, I mean, you were playing on a finger was broke or a toe was broke. So I knew it wasn't going to make the NFL. That's yeah, it. Dream. I got two dreams. To get a handoff from Tom Brady and go, on for a and go over the top like Walter Payton. Or to be in the, the, the studio when Michael Jackson was singing Billy Jean, I'm in the back smoking a blunt. <laughs> hey Tom, how come running backs don't do that anymore? When I was growing up, everybody would go over the top. They would always jump uh, yeah. over the top, and now the running backs don't get down like that. No, if you're going over the top, imagine that. Yeah, imagine going over the it, top but... like water and coming down on your head or your yeah. shoulder. No, I don't know why. You know, we definitely have. They're still in, probably just not as much as it used to be with those guys. Good you know, elevate like that. A lot of that comes down to certain situations. It's a really new school game right now. It's very different than it was right. 20 years ago, too. Very different. So I think once now the it's... kangaroo cleats went out of the league, that's when you stop seeing people <laughs> jumping over the top. I mean, those, those things Nobody spats up no more. Nobody spats up, man. <laughs> Everybody got a sneaker deal, and you can't spat. I mean, you. to me, the hardest running back was Earl Campbell. Nobody mm. pretty much like Earl Campbell. Yeah, yeah Bo, people about Bo Jackson's the best I ever saw. It's just all around. Ooh, that's him, him, I would say him, him and Earl Campbell, as far as like back when they, they didn't throw on every down, and guys could yeah. get like you know. First, you spent his best years at, with the Generals. 
Walter Payton and Barry Sanders was unbelievable. Barry Sanders had over five a carry, and they knew they were handing it on, handing it off on every down. So it's hard, you know, when they know you're you're handing it off to one guy, and you still make a lot of yards, like the guys that sack the quarterback, and they're getting double teamed on every play. I mean, that's a that's unbelievable to have that type of production when you know you're the main guy. You know, well, if you're the backup. You know, if you know, really I got to ask you a question too, and Tom and Adam and all of y'all. Would Odell make that catch if he had those gloves on? No, definitely. Does he make that catch? Well, well I would say that guy. Because Lynn Swan did it every Sunday, 30-degree weather with no gloves on. He did that. Armstrong <laughs> <laughs> Wars did it every Sunday. Dude, and that's when you could basically assault a wide receiver. If you ever watched those old time, You could assault them. Yeah. But I think sports have changed like that because even in basketball, you can't play deep. All you got to do is get you off your feet and go into you, and it's a foul. Dwayne yeah, Wade started that. Sandman, let me ask you a question here, Sandman. <laughs> yes. You know, you you are a movie star, so you do these oh, movies, yeah. and now you go out like you did this weekend, and you're doing a live show. Tom's out there every week, and he always talks about on this program, there are no do-overs. This is live. Yeah. We don't get a tape. True. We go and look at tape to try and be better next week. Yeah. Can you explain the pressure of what it's like for you to be live as opposed to knowing that you can do it over and over and over again? Well, sure, sure, sure. It's funny. I was thinking of you, Tom, yesterday because you were in your hometown with a lot of – when that's going through your head. I played – I grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I played Manchester like a month ago. And when you're in your hometown, everybody – isn't it like a whole other feeling? When yeah. you go on uh, – it, oh, it's man. a different, different vibe. You're ter- I was more terrified – going up in my hometown than I was the entire uh, tour I've been on. It's just you don't want to let them down. There's something something that you're just thinking of. Expectations. hard to concentrate, right? Expectations yeah. are higher, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're thinking of uh, just relatives that are there, and you're thinking of friends you grew up with. Them and, and you, got, them you, you don't want to let them down. Nope. That's the biggest pain in the ass of it all. But yeah, Did you no, have that uh, going on yesterday, Tommy? Yeah, you know, um, I had only played there one other time and we had played so well. And then we got our, you know, obviously what happened yesterday, we got our, you know, we got our ass kicked and I actually was just walking to the bus and I was about right to the bus. It's kind of a long walk from the locker room to the bus, probably, you know, 500 yards or so. Just as I got to the bus, the woman who I was with said, Hey, didn't you want to see your family? I said, they stayed. Our show is brought to you by Kay Jewelers. For over 100 years, Kay has helped millions of couples find their dream engagement ring. Visit your local Kay store or go to Kay.com to find yours and celebrate every kiss with Kay. It sure was a good time with so many laughs from those three legends of comedy, Adam Sandler, Tracy Morgan, and Bill Burr. Thank you all. Up next, an 11-time NBA All-Star and a 17-time Grammy nominee. Next. On the best of Let's Go. This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to Let's Go with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. I'm Jim Gray. Our program is brought to you by American Express. It's easy to get excited about going to the game. You love hearing the sound of the whistle or smelling the game day concessions from your seat. It's the stuff that reminds you of the thrill of the game. And you know that Amex will be there every step of the way because when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. This is the best of let's go from our past NFL season. We spent the year with you discussing greatness. 
So who better to sit down with than the greatest personality in sports, former NBA MVP and a true friend, Sir Charles, the Chuckster, Charles Barkley. One of my favorites, been a fan of his for a long time and then became a friend over a long period of time. So love having him on the show. So thanks, Charles. You know how much love and appreciation I got for you. And Jim, you know, you like a brother to me, man. So thanks for having me on. Hey, Charles, you're, you're a national treasure, but you've done it. You've done it for so long. You've been now on television longer than you played basketball, but you've done it by telling the truth. And the truth is hard to tell anymore. Uh, how, how have you managed to pull this off and do it in a way where people want to keep coming back every week because they love it so much? Well, number one, thank you. Uh, you know, my mentor, Dick Ebersole, when we started talking about what I was going to do in television when I retired, he said, I think you'd be great on television. He said, you're always going to be in trouble but I think you're going to be great on television. I said, I'm not even sure how to take that. He says, you know, people always tell you they want to hear you the truth. They really don't, Jim. They don't. He says, he says, especially when it comes to fans, fans want you to tell them two things. Their favorite player is great, and their team is great. Yeah. And he says, if you tell them their favorite player is not great or their team sucks, they automatically don't like you. He said, but... The one thing I learned about you is you're going to always tell the truth. It was my third year in Philadelphia when I was becoming a star, Jim. Because, first of all, everybody wants to be liked. So my my first two years, the media never talked to me because it was always Dr. J and Moses. So my third year, I started becoming a star. And then Dr. J says, hey, you have to remember something. Because I wanted everybody to like me. He said he was trying to coach me on how to deal with the media. He said, you're going to make a choice. You're going to either be honest or try to make everybody like you. So the first six months, I wanted everybody to like me. And then I realized it doesn't matter what I say. Yeah. Half the people are going to like it and half the people are going to hate it. Yeah. And it was a shock to my system. He said, well, you got to make the uncomfortable decision. I always tell the truth. You're going to piss a lot of people off, but at least you'll be authentic. So from my third year on to now, Jim, I said, hey, listen, I don't think I'm right all the time, but I'm going to give my honest opinion, hey, and just live with the ramifications. Have Have there been any ramifications for you, like where you look back and you think, because I think everybody would like to do that, and I think yeah. if you're to say something, you know, what well, I watched an interview with Cristiano Ronaldo um, and Piers Morgan this, I think it was last week, right before the World Cup, and he was, in his mind, you know, saying a lot of things in his truths. But, you know, now there's ramifications for that, you know, with his team and, and the repercussions for that. So how do you, did you ever look back and go, I shouldn't have said that or, oh, didn't realize it would cost me that? Uh, I think probably me and Michael were best friends. That's probably the most prominent thing. Michael Jordan, that's probably losing his friendship was probably the most prominent thing that's happened to me. Uh, but I was being honest about what I thought. I said, I said and what I said, I said, listen, the toughest thing about Michael, he's got to put better people around him because the toughest thing when you're famous, you they own your private jet, you're buying all the drinks, you're buying all the dinners. Very few people are going to be honest with you. And I try to surround myself with people like, hey, if I'm screwing up, please tell me. And Michael got offended about something I said about him. We haven't spoken in probably almost 10 years. And he was my best friend at the time. And I love to do like a brother. And we're both stubborn and we haven't talked. So that's probably the most prominent thing. And it was Charles who spent Thanksgiving with me and Tom Brady right here on Let's Go. We were also blessed and grateful 
for back-to-back years now to be joined by the one and only Snoop Dogg. This time, it was right after the World Cup, which led to an incredible revelation from Snoop, right here on Let's Go. That's crazy, Tom. You ain't never met Messi. I ain't never met Michael Jordan. What? Is that right? As many games as you've been to, Snoop, sitting courtside? I'm a Laker fan. I don't be trying to go fraternize with the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what's interesting? Jack Nicholson has the exact same feeling because Jack would attend all the games and he never went into the locker room. And Kobe Bryant told me after all those years, he'd only met him once. And and so I asked Jack, I said, what's the deal here? You don't talk to Kobe. You talk to all everybody else and everybody on the side. He says, I'm not backstage. I don't like people coming into the trailer before I work. Why would they want me in the locker room? It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of right. I met Jack Nicholas for the first time. Um, I was playing golf at Augusta last year. Very fortunate to go there. And I was playing and um, they said, oh, you know, Jack Nicholas is, and obviously my dad is a huge Jack Nicholas fan. Obviously I was too. And they said, no, he's out here. He's not playing, but, um, you know, he's out there with his grandkids, but as we were finishing 18, he was waiting there. And I thought, what are the highlights of my life, you know, to meet that, you know, and someone that I had obviously seen for, heard my dad talk about watch. And then all of a sudden he's there as we're finishing up our round. That was an amazing feeling for me. That's a beautiful thing when you can actually become that someone that you idolize or that you watched as a kid. Like to be able to, like when I watched you the other day, Tom, when you, the game was over with and the youngster came to you with the jersey, your emotions didn't even allow you to even entertain, we lost, get out my face. You went straight to, here you go, young man. Yeah. I know this, what this means to you. I'm mad as hell right now, but this is bigger than me right now. This is about you watching me as a kid. And this is the biggest thing that's probably ever going to happen to you. So let me give you that moment right here. Here you go. Yeah. That was beautiful. Because I, Snoop, I, that's you, what I loved about the loss was what you did right there. That was beautiful. Yeah. Do you do that much, Snoop, with people that, you know, young artists? Obviously, they, you're, they look up to you so much. I mean, how do you feel? That's got to be an amazing feeling, right? It's crazy because, for example, Future, the artist Future, he came to me before he had a record deal. And he had a few dollars for me to rap on his album. So I put a verse on his album. His record came out five, six years later. He's the biggest rapper in the world. So it's wow. like when you like to watch you do that is the same reflection. It's like I, I thrive when I see youngsters that admire me and are inspired by me and then become better than me or become their own, you know, professional at what they do. It's interesting for me too. like I think and I said this the other I think I said this a week or two ago, but I think when you play football, right? Your emotions are a high, high level because it's so it's physical contact. So there's an anger emotion that is in you, you know, yeah, you're competing, but it's not like it's golf, you know, it's, it's a man, I want to let's get these guys, you know, let they're the enemy. So I think it's, as you get older, especially for me, because I know a lot of these young guys look up to me so much. And my word carries a lot of weight, even with my own teammates. But when I was young, you know, I was in Ray Lewis's face, you know, I was, I was in, you know, Ed, Ed Reed and those guys I love and respect so much, but it's different now. I don't feel like I can do that because I feel like I'm giving them, it's almost, it's just a wrong, 
um, I don't want them to have that feeling. You know what I mean? And I feel that way, but I almost feel like, God, if I do that, then it's not like a contemporary saying it. It's more like, man, that Tom Brady, what an But they're going to love you whether you beat them or they beat you. That's what I come to find out. It's like you got that kind of effect where it's like even after they lose, (laughs) they running after you. Hey, Tom, you guys kicked your ass. Could you sign my jersey? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm cooler than that. When that happens. It does, but I bet we've been losing too much this year to feel that way. So I've been on the losing end too many times this year. I'm wondering when kids come in your neighborhood, Snoop, and you tell them to stay off the grass. Uh, how do they take that? Because it, it has entirely <laughs> different meaning when that comes from you. <laughs> they they understand what it means. They play on the grass all day, but when nighttime comes, they know they stay off the grass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great response. That's terrific. That's so good, Snoop. That's what terrific. was the what was the most stoned you've ever been in your whole life? With Willie. Nelson. We was in Amsterdam <laughs> on 420 and he was doing a concert out there. He performed on the 19th and I performed on the 20th. So we went back to his hotel room and we was playing dominoes. So Willie had a vape, a joint, I had a blunt and he had a pipe. So me and him playing dominoes one-on-one. He whooping my ass and I'm just getting higher and higher and higher and he just keep passing it to me and I'm like, this old is out smoking me and I'm trying to stop but I can't because I don't want to show no signs of weakness. So then 15 minutes into the session, I said, I say, Willie, hey, man, let's get something to eat, man. <laughs> and we go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? So we're in the back of the van. And when they bring the chicken from the drive-thru, they give it to us. And me and Willie both put our hands in the bucket at the same time. And we grab the same piece of chicken, Tom. And I look at Willie and I say, it's yours, cuz. <laughs> that's amazing snoop dogg on let's go always amazing and folks you know that tom has his own apparel line it's called brady brand you can check it out at bradybrand.com including the new brady pant go to bradybrand.com and get comfortable now look good and feel even better brady brand let's go coming up next three generations of quarterback royalty as the best of Let's Go continues. Stay with us right here on Sirius XM. This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go right here on Sirius XM. I'm Jim Gray, along with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is brought to you by Bank of America. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, even football fans can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking what would you like the power to do member fdic it's often said never meet your heroes but if that's true then you may just have picked the wrong heroes tom brady grew up in northern california in the 1980s front and center to one of the greatest dynasties of football history in the 49ers it's where he fell in love with the game and fell in love with quarterbacking from watching joe montana and the great steve young and we put them all together, Brady, Young, Stahlback, and myself, for a conversation of how we all came to love this game. We start with Steve. I, I look, I don't want to be corny. Uh, heroes matter. Whether, you know, it's my dad or someone, my coach or something. I mean, heroes matter. And Roger was playing for the Cowboys, and they were on every, 
every week, and that's and I I watch Roger play, and I as a kid I didn't I never knew I was going to play pro ball, never even thought about it. I had Roger up on my wall a poster, and it was one of these action shots where it showed his what his right hand, and it, <laughs> and you could see his hand right on the ball, and I remember in my room taking the football and kind of putting my hand just like right like how does he hold that ball just like puts his fingers just right there and that's how i learned to hold the ball wow and then when i'd see him interviewed i'd want to talk like roger right i when i when he run i like to run like roger people are always like well what's the big deal about heroes because heroes model the very things that you want to do i look i i wore a big long face mask because jim mcmahon my hero in college was wore one and I, I couldn't turn right i finally realized it was the stupidest <laughs> idea ever like you got to have good models all the time so roger for me was showed me how to play how to talk how to handle wins and losses how to throw i'd never met him the impact on my life was tr- profound throughout my life and then the first time i met him was as he walked out the 19 1992 championship game against the cowboys mm-hmm. and here comes my hero that I like, I almost started to weep. Like I started, like, oh, there's Roger Scott. Yeah. And like, think about what I felt at that moment. All those years of me knowing him, he doesn't know me. And I remember we were we we're on each side, right? And the referees talking about something about the coin flip. And I'm like, uh, uh, Roger, I'm your hero. You're, uh, uh, I had your poster up, you know. And Roger is trying to, <laughs> tell and he finally says, relax. You know, we'll we'll talk later. Like, you know, just calm down. <laughs> I thought it was a great ploy by Jimmy Johnson to throw me for a loop. <laughs> so, hey, Steve, where do I send the check? <laughs> Question is, Roger, are you going to show up now on Sunday in Tampa for the coin toss and hope that Tom comes out there? Uh, I'll, I'll be watching it on TV, though. He's not invited. He's not invited. He's, not invited. He's out. <laughs> no field access for you, bro. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a toughie with uh, the uh, quarterback that I admire so much. On um, he's on the uh, other side there. You're still with Tampa Bay, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Roger, couple- do you realize? Do you realize the impact that you had? Because everybody had followed your career, winning that Heisman. Of course, the Naval Academy people had tremendous respect and admiration for the plight that you took having to sit out so many of your professional years uh, waiting for your career, uh, and then to hear things like uh, what Steve just said. While you're going through it, do you realize you're having that impact? We all have, um, as, as far as quarterbacks and people, I mean, I, I grew up with you know, like Otto Graham and, you know, uh, you know, looking up to the quarterback. So I was, uh, it was, it was a thrill to me, but, you know, to have another quarterback uh, like Steve, uh, is is really uh, makes me <laughs> it humbles me for sure, and hopefully you know, I know there's a humble humbleness about these these two guys uh, here, Tom and Steve. Both uh, they're they're just not only fantastic uh, football players, they're uh, they're great people too. And then after Roger the Dodger comes Steve Young, and he's running all over the place. He's winning uh, a Super Bowl. He's an MVP a couple of times. Um, and, uh, and you're watching him uh, from the stands and, and growing up in Northern California. And you come out there and you break all these records, but uh, you don't use your feet much other than to plant your, uh, plant your, <laughs> plant your foot to throw. How could these guys be your idols, uh, particularly Steve, and, 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 and have that occur? You know, I think Steve was so electric as a player. And, you know, I was growing up in the Bay Area, and 
it was a magical time and our whole existence was built on you know 49er football i got to watch the 80s and the 90s and here came steve and that was right kind of my when i began to really fall in love with the sport you know i didn't start playing until i was a freshman in high school and i didn't even know how to put the pads in my pants and then that's when the niners were winning the super bowls and i don't know what it would have become had i not had that experience in the bay area loving football you know, because it's a hypothetical, but it's hard to imagine that I would have the same love for it had I not experienced that era of 49 football. And who was leading the charge? Steve was. And I. it's funny, Steve, when you wore your sleeves, like you're talking about how kind of Roger and Phil, you know, you used to wear your sleeves at the end of your career. You had that tight shirt underneath. Yep. Look at everything I've worn for the last 15, 18 years, you know, is exactly the way that Steve wore it. And I still do it today. Hey, Steve, I want to get you Roger and Tom's opinion uh we saw Aaron Rodgers last night, and unfortunately, uh, he did not qualify uh, for the playoffs. And and now he's contemplating what he's going to do next. Here's what he had to say after the game, and then I'd like you guys to comment on that afterwards. At some point, the carousel comes to a stop, and it's time to get off. And I think you you kind of know when that is, and that's what needs to be contemplated. You know, is it time? But the competitive fire is always going to be there. I don't think that ever goes away. Um, sometimes it gets transferred, I think, to other things um, that might not ever fill that large void. But, but like I said, I, I feel good about what I've accomplished in this league and wouldn't have any regrets walking away. Steve, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? You talk about emotional commitment to go play every year, and there is a time when you can tell that he's seriously thinking about it. There's no question, which you, you have to. Tom has to be – every year you have to make that commitment. It's got to be tough. And so – and I love his honest. He's been completely honest and open and vulnerable over the last few years. It's amazing to hear him speak. I mean, people can love or hate it, but it's it's open, and I and I and I really appreciate that. Um, what he's contemplating is, in my mind, a death. And who chooses death? Because when you're the best at something in the world, and then you leave the game, and the next day, you're not that anymore, and you find out, you know what? I'm not actually even good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so you end up wanting so much to go back to the thing I was great at, not because you want adulation or people to tell you you're great. Like there's a, something that you're great at. And as a human being, you want, you don't want it. Like that's what I wanted. That's my highest and best use. What he's contemplating and is a really difficult thing. Really viscerally feel him what he's, what he's going through. Well, I mean, Aaron uh, is, had a, season this year it's been up and down i mean he's uh he's a heck of a football player and uh i i, I believe he's got uh, some games ahead and I, I i wouldn't retire after this year he's uh showed his stuff at times but he's had a you know a rough year but um i think he could uh, come back next year and have a you know have a good have have, have, have a much better year many thanks for just an amazing conversation with Roger Staubach and Steve Young. Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald, they're our experts, and any athlete will tell you it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com. It's powered by the number one mortgage lender in America, United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, number 3038. It's licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. And you can find every episode and every conversation from this season of Let's Go on the SXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up next, championship-winning coaches, 
the two best in professional football, and a legend saying goodbye. All right here on the best of Let's Go. This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to Let's Go, presented by Hertz. I'm Jim Gray, along with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. You're listening to the best of Let's Go for the past NFL season. We're brought to you by Hertz. You can change the scenery without ever changing your standards. That's right. No matter where you are with Hertz, you'll always find exactly the right vehicle to make your Let's Go moment unforgettable. Visit Hertz.com to book today. Hertz, let's go. As we continue our review of the season, no one solidified their place among all-time greats this year, quite like Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. A 14-3 regular season and the number one seed in the AFC. Three playoff wins and a second Lombardi trophy. Tom and I caught up with Coach Reed on the road to Super Bowl 57, marveling at a fifth straight conference championship appearance. Yeah, well, there's so much competition and parity in the National Football League right now. It's crazy. Probably more than Tom and I have seen uh, ever, probably. And, uh, I mean, uh, every week, whoever you're playing has a has a great opportunity to win. Now, you always hear that, but you normally you get to the end of the season and there are a couple of cushy games in there, man, but that's not the way it is. That's not the way it rolls anymore, so it's it's hard I mean, and then you got to catch the breaks injuries are absolute killer uh right now the way your roster is set and uh you're lucky if you if you get this far i mean there's there's definitely some luck involved but um i've been blessed to be around some good players and and good coach i've been very fortunate that way i, I can't let you go before you compare gronk to kelsey um because <laughs> oh, these boy. two guys are just these guys are just so great. And we also got Kittles over there playing in the other championship game for, for the 49ers. Uh, those three personalities have kind of set the standard uh, and they've taken it to just a whole new level. I mean, we had Kellen Winslow. We've had a lot of great, great tight ends, uh, Mackey and so forth, that have come through the National Football League. But uh, just how about the two that will uh, 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 those two, Gronk, who we had on last week, who played with Tommy forever and, and Kelsey? Yeah, when God was passing out personalities, man, he overloaded those three right there. <laughs> so, they're all listen. All three are great guys and great players, and I'm partial because uh, I've got Kels right here, and I've I've watched him develop and grow as a as a man, and uh, I appreciate that as much as I do all the plays he makes. Uh, and he just he he uh, just keeps keeps going. I, he had 14 catches this last week. Uh, Sure, Cincinnati will have a plan for him, but he, he has a, a knack of getting himself open, even even when uh, teams do put the put the hammer down on him. What I what I love about his game too is, you know, he catches a you know a little six yard out cut and then makes someone miss, and it's twelve. You know, you you on, you hand the ball off on first and ten, and you don't gain yards. You know, and now it's second and ten. You throw a high percentage pass to your tight end, and it. You know, some teams you get tackled for a six-yard gain. You know, now it's third and four. And Travis, boom, makes a guy miss and goes for 12, and now it's first and 10. And I think his ability and his – I always call it his twitch. But how twitchy he is and how he accelerates and how he runs through catches. He and Patrick obviously have a little thing too where they there's a little bit of freestyle that goes on, which I'm sure Coach Reed doesn't mind. But they're spectacular. It's <laughs> I've had that with a lot of guys over the years. Obviously, Wes – Probably Wes and Julian is probably the top two. 
Gronk certainly, but Gronk didn't always like to break the coach's rules. I, I'd always say, just get the fuck open. Like, I don't care where you run. Just, if they're inside, turn out. I don't care if they said turn out. Turn in. What, you know? And Julian would do it like, and not say anything. You know, Julian would be like, somebody to ball, you know? So I think watching Travis and watching Patrick, it's, that's why they're hard to stop because they could have the, the per, you know, you call a play in the huddle, you know, you get out there. He's supposed to have a, a route. He sees a little more green grass in another area. He thinks Patrick's going to see it. Boom. The ball goes there, and it all looks like that's exactly how it was drawn up. So it's a, it's a good way to play. Very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Many thanks to my dear friend Andy Reid for joining us here on Let's Go. Well, this time there were no media leaks and very little fanfare. Just a simple video on social media as our buddy, Tom Brady, sat on a beach speaking directly to his fans and supporters. I'm retiring. For good, he said. The winningest quarterback in NFL history and the holder of every record you can think of hung him up after 23 seasons. Our co-host, the great Larry Fitzgerald, reacted to the news with me here on Let's Go. Well, I mean, the game is going to sorely miss him. You know, he, he, he left an indelible mark on the game. Um, it won't be the same without him. The greatest player to ever lace him up, um, done it at the highest levels and done it with class and dignity the whole entire time. Uh, and so, it, you know, it's going to be tough to watch Sundays moving forward, you know, without, you know, Tom out there playing and, and leading and, you know, the suspense that, you know, follows everything that he does on the football field. But I'm happy that he's happy. And, you know, as a friend, all you do is you, you cheer for your friends. You want them to, to find, you know, peace and happiness in their lives. And, and that's what I want for Tom. You say it won't be the same, but everything does roll on. But this seems different for some reason. I remember when Michael Jordan retired the first time, and then he came back and won three championships. And then he eventually left after playing in Washington. It just kind of takes a little peace from you because for so long it's just been so familiar and he's been so great. So time does roll on and things do change, but it really isn't ever the same, is it? No, it's not. I mean, you look at some of the greats that have left the game in team sports. You look at Derek Jeter's and and Michael Jordan's and, you know, some of these magnificent athletes. And, yeah, the game continues to go on. The schedule is not going to change, right? But, you know, what that player meant to the generation of people who followed him, um, watched him, supported him, um, the teams that he even beat and the way he did it, you know, you have to marvel at his greatness. And I think people, you know, love him or, or dislike him, you know, you, you always could appreciate his greatness, right? It doesn't matter if you were a New York Jets fan and he terrorized you for the better half of 20 years, but you can appreciate just how great he was throughout his entire career and the way he did it, the standard of excellence consistently for that period of time. You, you have no choice but to marvel at that um, and respect what he's accomplished because, you know, it, it'll never be done again. Um, the things that he's done, um, the way he's done it, you know, it's – it just will never be done. So when you say we'll turn a chapter to, you know, the Josh Allens and the, the, the Joe Burrows and, um, you know, the Pat Mahomes, like it, it, it is what we have to do, but what Tom has done will, will never be duplicated. Thank you to our terrific co-host and NFL man of the year, Larry Fitzgerald. Our show is brought to you by Kay Jewelers. For over 100 years, Kay has helped millions of couples find their dream engagement ring. Visit your local K store or go to K.com to find yours and celebrate every kiss with K. Every kiss begins with K. And who knew that Tom could sing? 
but he carried that K-tune pretty well throughout the season. We had lots of fun with that. Well, it was an incredible farewell to Tom Brady's career from the NFL's elite with appearances from Bill Belichick, Peyton Manning, and so many more. Stay with us right here as we continue on the best of Let's Go. This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray. Let's Go is brought to you by Morton's The Steakhouse. Tender and flavorful in every bite, Morton's has mastered the art of a perfectly cooked USDA prime steak. Visit mortons.com to reserve at any of the more than 65 worldwide locations. That's Morton's The Steakhouse. We spent the year discussing greatness with the very greatest. When Tom announced the end of his playing career, there was no greater conversation to be had than with the winningest quarterback-coach combo in NFL history. And we were joined by Patriot coach Bill Belichick, who sat down with me and Tom to talk about the end of this journey. Well, uh, you know, Tom's had just a tremendous career. Um, it was funny, you know, I was out at the East-West game uh, last weekend, and of course, you know, his, Tom's picture's up there everywhere as a player in the game, and, you know, along with a lot of other Hall of Famers. I think they had like 70 Hall of Famers played in that game or something like that. Uh, but anyway, um, so, you know, that's kind of where it all started. You know, Michigan, the Orange Bowl, the East-West game, and, and you know, just the greatest player, the greatest career, uh, the great, great person. Uh, it's such an, an opportunity and an honor for me to, you know, to coach Tom. And uh, I, I guess I guess it's got in at some point, um, you know, but it, it, it's the greatest one ever. So congratulations, Tom. Appreciate it. Tom, what did Bill do to bring out the best in you? I think it's more what did he not do to bring out the best in me. He, uh, you know, everyone always says I was just very lucky. I mean, I think part of it, you know, I came into my uh, career and got drafted by the Patriots. I always joke, you know, I had no idea where New England was when I got drafted. I mean, I flew into Providence, which really confuses you if you're coming from the West Coast because I'm like Boston, oh, Providence. And, and uh, you know, it was Coach Belichick's first year there. And, you know, we came in together and I always think for so many young players, you know, who's going to be there? Anybody could get drafted to a place. Who's going to turn you into something? Who's going to develop you? Who's going to take you under their wing? And sometimes it's a player that does it. And I definitely had a lot of players do that. And obviously I had someone that really saw something in me that, you know, not a lot of other people did. And, you know, the, yeah, there were offensive coaches and so forth, but I think coach, Belichick and I developed an amazing relationship really from the moment I was drafted. But then really we got, we spent a lot of time together. You know, he started to begin to teach me really what football was all about, how to study defenses when I started to play, certainly. And uh, we'd have weekly meetings, sometimes once, sometimes twice. And I couldn't imagine a better teacher to, to say, hey, this is how we're going to play quarterback in the NFL. And this is the nuances of the game. And not only that, but I just, from his leadership, which is really one of his great, great qualities, he showed up every day with a purpose. There was, when he always joked, no days off, he meant it. You know, there was his ability to sustain even what he's still doing, you know, 23 years with the Patriots beyond that, you know, so many years in the NFL. But he's in there working in the office right now. You know, he's not out there golfing. And I'm sure he has his moments for those things, but they're a lot fewer than what, you know, he could be doing 
you know, you look at his stature and who he is and what his level of performance has been over a long period of time. He could be retired years ago. And the reality is he loves the sport. He loves teaching. He loves coaching. He loves competing. And nobody's done it better than him. And I think what a blessing for me to there's no way I have the success that I've had, you know, personally without him. And I'm very grateful for that. What did you see in him, Bill? What did you see in him that others didn't when he got that ball when Drew Bledsoe went out or perhaps before <laughs> yeah, no before in training camp? Point. Well, you know, I, I think it kind of started, uh, you know, senior year when, um, you know, Tom would start uh, every game and then and Michigan would do pretty good. And then, you know, Henson would come in and things usually didn't go so good. And then they bring Tom back at the end and, you know, they won most of their games. Then he had a great Orange Bowl game against Alabama. And, you know, just based on the opportunity that he had and, and the way he played well in big games at big moments um, and kind of you could see the upswing, the potential, um, you know, that he had, that's kind of where it started. And then his rookie year, you know, Tom didn't play much, um, three snaps or whatever it was, but he took leadership over that rookie class. And we had like 22 rookies and first year players that year. Um, and he would keep them out after practice. They'd run plays. He knew what everybody was supposed to do. So somebody made a mistake on the play. It wasn't run by the coaches. It was run by Tom. And you could see the leadership that he um, captured with the team, you know, just in those sessions uh, among his peers, which at that time were, you know, rookies and first-year players. And then, you know, after the first season, I brought in um, Damon Hewer because I felt like, you know, I wanted to have an experienced backup quarterback. And Tom beat him out in preseason. And so Tom was a backup quarterback. And and then when Drew got hurt, then uh, then it was really pretty much history until the the St. Louis game, the Ram game. And, and that was the game where um, prior to that week, I split reps between uh, Tom and Drew. Uh, but Tom played the whole game. And I just felt like after the game that it was I just couldn't do that. I had to give the starting quarterback the majority of the reps and that it would just be hard to play. Uh, well, with only getting half the snaps. So at that point, I made Tom the starting quarterback. And you know, that's the smartest decision I ever made, uh, maybe other than drafting him. So, um, you know, that was – and then it just got better from there. And, you know, Tom talks about how much he taught I taught him in those meetings. But, you know, I learned so much from Tom because I, you know, I, I never played quarterback and I never saw the game through the quarterback's eyes. I saw it through a coach's eyes and – and what Tom would tell me that he saw and how he saw it, it was incredible how during the game, you know, he'd come off and I'd say, what happened on that play? And, and he'd go through eight things that happened. You know, tackle flash in front of me, this guy slipped. I saw the linebacker drop wide. Safety was a little deeper than I thought it would be. And, you know, then this guy stepped in front. I kind of put it a little bit behind him because I saw this other guy closing. And then you go back and look at the film, and, and every one of those things happened in the exact sequence that he – explained it to you on the field coming off i'm like this guy sees everything he sees the rush he sees the coverage he sees the routes he sees the depths um and he sees a lot of things pre-snap and and when we had the meetings that tom referred to um we would go over fundamentals we'd go over game plans we'd go over situational football watch other teams play through situations and and i remember so many situations that came up in games um where Tom would refer back to, yeah, that's what we talked about, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when we watched the Detroit Atlanta game, or uh, yeah, that was, remember when they ran this play in this situation two years ago? I mean, the, the memory and the capacity that Tom had to remember plays, situations, 
um, and, and some, you know, finer points like hard counts and, you know, getting out of bounds plays and things like that from, from years before in the exact same situation and time frame was, was remarkable. And, you know, we all have decent memories, but to be able to process it that quickly in a matter of literally seconds and split seconds on the field or during a timeout or, you know, going back on the field, you know, with however much time's left, like, yeah, this is what we talked about. This is that situation we had in training camp that, you know, we had 39 seconds and the ball was at midfield. Um, so those are the things that I learned from Tom as a quarterback was how to see the game as a quarterback instead of as a coach. And, um, you know, Tom would say, you know, I, I, you know, I can't see that. I'm not really looking at that. Like, okay, well, I'm going to stop coaching that then because if you can't see it, like nobody else is going to see it. So let's, let's see how you see the game and, and let me learn from you. And, and Tom was great about that. We had a, um, a really good relationship, um, especially in the film room and talking football and all that, that um, I'll, I'll always treasure. And I learned so much from uh, because nobody sees the game better than Tom Brady sees it or saw it. And, and I was so lucky to learn from him and his vision that, um, I, you know, no other coach will get that experience because it, it was, I mean, it's incredible. So Tom, as time goes on, you guys become tied together. Mm-hmm. You can't say Brady without thinking Belichick. You can't say Belichick without thinking Brady. And and this has gone on in sports, but usually it's with rivals. Usually it's Ollie and Frazier, um, Wilt and Russell. Uh, you have it a little bit uh, sometimes, Kobe and Shaq, their teammates. Uh, sometimes you also have it, Lombardi and Star. But when your name becomes so tied to your duo, your partner, what's that like? What's that like for you? And also for you, Coach Belichick, that you guys are now intertwined so much because of your accomplishment, your excellence, and your achievement, and the goals that you obtain will never be duplicated. I think for me, there's nobody I'd rather be associated with. And I think that from my standpoint, I think it's always such a stupid conversation to say, you know, Brady versus Belichick, because in my mind, that's not what partnerships are about. Coach couldn't play quarterback and I couldn't coach. And I think the best part about the best part about football is, and coach says it a lot, do your job. And he asked me to play quarterback. He didn't ask me to coach. And, you know, I didn't want him playing quarterback. I just wanted him to coach. <laughs> I'd seen him throw. So he definitely wasn't playing quarterback. He, uh, I think it was, it's, it's such a stupid, in my view, it was just people always trying to pull us apart. And I don't think we ever even felt that with each other. We never were trying to pull each other apart. We actually were always trying to go in the same direction. And I think when we were in New England for 20 years together, you know, it's tired. They get tired of writing the same story. So, you know, once they write all the nice things and championships and this, and then they just start going, well, this works. Let's start trying to divide them. And I think I didn't, I never really appreciated those, you know, ways that people would try to do that. He and I always had a great relationship and, we met all the time. And did we always see everything exactly the same way? Who does in life? You know, what close relationship can you have where everything goes, you know, like a bright, sunny day? No, there are moments that, you know, it was never intolerable. I mean, but it was always just, I would say, healthy debates about certain things. And we always talked about him face to face. And I think there's one thing I appreciate about Coach Belichick in life is he's not afraid to have a hard conversation, too. And we didn't always agree, but we always respected each other. 
I know he respected me for the job that I did. And I certainly did the same. And I think even when you go away from each other, you respect each other probably that much more. I certainly did because I realized the commitment that he was trying to make to get our team to win. And that's the purpose of sports is to try to go compete and win. And when you have someone that believes in winning as much as you do, you want to be a part of that. And when people try to get in the way of that, they become the enemy. So I always think the people that tried to drive us apart actually brought us closer together. You know, for me, um, and, I, and I, I've always said this, Tom's heard it, you know, every year, time after time, players win games. Players win games. You can't win games without great players. And, and coaches can lose them. And if coaches don't give the players a good opportunity, put them a, give them a chance where they can have a fair fight and, and can win on their ability, then, you know, great players can't overcome bad coaching. So I always tried my best to put the team in position to win. And look, that could be, you know, 10, 13, 10, like it was in the snowball, or it could be, you know, 34 to 28, you know, scoring 28 points in the second half or whatever it was in the Super Bowl. And, and, to me, my job was always give the team a chance to win, put together a good team. And, you know, Tom was the greatest player on many, many good teams that we had. But it's teams that win championships and and players that win championships, not coaches. Coaches keep from losing them. <laughs> Try to keep from losing them. you got to give the players a chance to win. And, and we had, you know, a lot of great players. Uh, and, and I'd say the one thing about Tom that it, it was always – impressive is how he was the target every week he had the bullseye on his back every week and every week he came through and delivered uh and it it was similar to taylor at at the giants um there's a guy that's targeted every week and and tom always found a way to make his players productive so it didn't matter who the receiver who the tight end was he could understand what what would make rob you know, more successful. What make Troy Brown more so? What could Wes Welker do? Not what did I do with Troy that I want to do with Wes Welker, but how do I make Wes Welker successful? How do I make Randy Moss successful? Those players were all great players, but they were all very different and they had different skills. And Tom could always bring out the best of their skills. It was James White, um, uh, you know, running backs or whoever, whatever the position was, Kevin Falk. You know, he made all those players great by understanding what their strengths were and understood how to use their strengths. Um, and, you know, very similar to what Bill Russell talked about in terms of using the, the other teammates on the Celtics, you know, how to, how to get those guys shots, how to get those guys points. And I think of all the things that Tom was great at, which is a long, long list, um, his ability to make players around him better and more productive was ultimately his greatest skill. And there were times when we didn't have great tackles or we might've had a guy hurt on the offensive line. Well, then he got the ball out quicker. And those players never really, that matchup never really affected the game very much. I mean, all the years we went against Dwight Freeney, you know, a lot of blocking Dwight Freeney was getting rid of the ball before (laughs) Dwight Freeney could get there. I mean, he was a hard guy to block. And then Mathis on the other side. Uh, And there were games where we played, you know, the Carolina Super Bowl. I mean, Honestly, God, that's as good of a defensive line as we've ever faced. But And Tom got hit a lot, but he got the ball out. And so it didn't matter whether it was the line, the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, uh, you know, when it was, uh, you know, Corey Dillon and LeGarrette Blunt, they, he, he helped them be more productive in their roles. Um, and so 
ultimately, again, of all the things that Tom was great at, I think that was, you know, really his top quality was he made everybody around him better and utilized the skills that those players had and avoided the ones maybe what they weren't as good at. Coach, and you know, I think what's so interesting is, is listening to you guys. Um, it, it just reminds me of how you treated Tommy like you treated everybody else on the team, even after you won the first, second, third Super Bowls, that he rose to become a superstar in the eyes of the public. But once he came into your building, he was one of those 53. And if you had to point out something, you pointed out something to him. And if you had to call him out, you called him out. Uh, can you just kind of take us through uh, your your inner thinking on that and, and the wherewithal that that takes to not allow somebody to get bigger than the organization because you're trying to win a game and it takes everybody. Yeah, you know, really, uh, Jim, that was as much a part of Tom as it was me, you know, because there were a couple meetings, uh, you know, where I would say something to Tom after the meeting, like, Hey, you know, I didn't really, you know, think that was that bad, but I just want to include you and everybody in there with everybody else. And Tom would say, coach, you have to, if you don't yell at me, then what am I going to do with all the rest of my teammates? I got to be in there with all the rest of them and say, Hey, he's yelling at all of us. And like, we all got to do better, but if you leave me out of it, then I don't really have a platform to work from. So yeah, go ahead and rip my ass too. Go ahead. And so I got the green light on that. I went ahead and took it, but, and I think that players always, they always come back to me and say, Hey, the first meeting Belichick got on Brady. I'm like, Christ, if he's going to talk to Brady like, that like I better be straight I you know I know what's gonna happen to me and and Tom's you know acceptance of that and also then his ability to lead his teammates by putting himself in the same boat with everybody else of like yeah we all got to do a better job you know he's after me just like he's after everybody else let's go um that's a tremendous platform to lead from and Tom recognized that and yeah you know was he our best player did he make the fewest mistakes out there and all that yeah but everybody can do better every coach, every player, no matter how great they are. And, you know, if you're really looking and striving for, for, for perfection, then we all want that. Like, I want to be a better coach. Tom wants to be a better player, you know, and, and so does everybody else. You know, Law wants to be a better corner, and Logan Mankins wants to be a better guard and all that, and Rob Gronkowski wants to be a better tight end. And if you can tell him something to help him be better, a real competitor will appreciate that. And, uh, and actually where mm-hmm. I got that from was Coach Knight. And because Coach Knight told me that's what he did with Michael Jordan on the Olympic team. He said, you know, Michael, I'm going to rip your ass just like because I can't rip some of these other guys without ripping you. And Jordan said, hey, bring it on because I that, I need that and that'll help me with my teammates. And and uh, it, it was kind of a similar thing, you know, with Tom. Much appreciation and great thanks to Coach Bill Belichick for spending some time with us right here on Let's Go. Our program is brought to you by Bank of America. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, even football fans can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. What would you like the power to do? Member FDIC. Coming up next, Robbie G, the Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, Peyton Manning, and so much more as the best of Let's Go continues right here on Sirius XM. This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray. Hey, guys, Tom has his own apparel line. It's called Brady Brand. Check it out now at BradyBrand.com, including the new Brady pant. Go to BradyBrand.com and get comfortable now. Look good 
and feel even better. Brady Brand, let's go. We're taking a look back on the season, which turned out to be Tom's last as an active player. And if you're going to throw a retirement party, there's no one better to bring in than Gronk himself, Rob Gronkowski. He sat down with us from a safe location, along with another very special guest. And I was just on the highway, and I'm just such a good guy. You know, I'm paying my respects to Tom by pulling over. I almost just got in five accidents to get off the highway to make sure I was on time. And But it doesn't matter. I was in an accident every single Sunday. Tom would light me up right up the middle. So if I got in, in a car accident, it was probably be less painful than the pain that Tom caused me throwing me up the seam. So, yeah. the sick part Tom, is, Tom didn't provide an airbag, did he? The sick part is there's a little bit of that's actually true. My lungs were the airbags. Peyton Manny, there he is. Peyton would have let me, you know, right down the middle of the field without, without a, he would have looked off the safety first and then thrown it to me. I mean, since all the plays that Gronk caught, y'all got from our offense, Gronk. I mean, I feel like I was throwing to you in many ways. I have about 9,000 yards from Tom, so let's take about 4,000 of those yards and put them on your stats. Let's do that. Yes. This retirement party has turned into a roast, and we're pleased to be joined by Peyton Manning. Thanks for joining us here on Let's Go. Thanks for having me, Jim. When you're in retirement, there's no more respect to any opponents or anything anymore. It's just complete garbage talking now. That's what you got to do. It's not like, oh, you know, he's a good player. It's no. You just throw your absolute best shot that you possibly can at the other person now. That's what it's all about. Yeah, like I just actually faced Peyton's brother, Eli, in pickleball. And how, why did he call me up to face him? Because I said he was absolutely trash on, uh, on USA, on the, on the Today Show. Thanks for calling in, Gronk. We appreciate it, pal. Tom, you're a legend, man. Thanks, Robbie G. Appreciate everything you've done, man. Enjoy retirement. You're the best dog. And um, I'll see you around. I'll see, you know, we're both in the car and we're both with Fox. So I'll see you next week. See you, big guy. One of my favorite players of all time and a guy I looked up to, even though he's basically my same age, maybe a little older than me, but really set the standard for quarterback play that, you know, I every year would study him because in the end, I thought he was the best one out there. And I watched Peyton and admired him, the way he was a leader and the way he performed week in and week out for his team. And I uh, love that we have a friendship now. And uh, although he's never invited me to play golf at any of these, you know, 400 clubs that he's a member of and honorary members, I'm still waiting for one invitation at some point to go play golf. I mean, he basically invites everyone else except me. So one of these days, I'm just looking forward to invite part of why I asked him to be on the show so he could invite me and, and reverse to, to, uh, to be one of his guests somewhere. Well, uh, thank you for that introduction. I'm honored to be on. And uh, hey, now's the time. I mean, I've waited uh, until you uh, until you finally retired. Now you have some time to play. Let's go. I'm going to be wearing you out with invites. Uh, uh, so be ready. Uh, be careful what you ask for. I know. Peyton, do you believe this retirement? You released the same statement that you did last year when he retired this time. Uh, do you believe this time it's for real? Well, um, I wrote Tom last year uh, a letter. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've always said, Jim, a text congratulating somebody on their career. Uh, when you played 10 years is not enough. When you played as long as Tom uh, did, uh, it's certainly uh, not enough. So I uh, wrote Tom a handwritten letter, um, and I just told him uh, the other day, hey, I'm not writing you another letter, right? That one counts for this year as well. So that's, uh, that's all I can do. I can't, you know, pour out my heart and soul and, you know, you know, uh, write this serious, uh, heartfelt, uh, letter twice. So, uh, 
Uh, look, if it is, uh, it, it's certainly been an incredible run. If it's not, it then, is. Uh, uh, he's earned the right to you know do what he wants to do. But uh, it's been an incredible run, Jim. The the longevity, the continuity, the consistency, the goal to be better the next year than you were the year before. Uh, look, there's an old saying, you either get better or you get worse every day. You don't stay the same. I mean, Tom Brady truly got better every day, and that was his goal. Uh, look, he celebrated touchdowns. Uh, he was happy that he threw a touchdown. But after that, you saw Tom on the sideline figuring out, okay, uh, how are we going to do this again, right? And that's the right way to play quarterback. Uh, always uh, something else that we can be doing to be better. People forget that when Tom uh, – uh, started that with the Patriots. I was still with the Colts. The Colts and the Patriots were in the same division of uh, the old AFC East and, you know, played against the Patriots twice a year. And then when realignment happened because the Texans came in and thank goodness realignment <laughs> happened. So we got out of that AFC East and uh, went into the AFC South. But uh, it's almost like Tom and I stayed in the same division together. I mean, how many times did we play against each other twice, you know, once in the regular season, always in the playoffs. And I was trying to stress to our rookies. I remember we opened up with, with the Patriots in 2004. Uh, 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 one of the years after they won the Super Bowl. it's always fun, Jim, when you, you know, watch a team play and they're, you know, dropping their banner, they're showing highlights of, you know, your four interceptions in the AFC championship the year before. <laughs> After you know, we play that, that was not accidental. Okay, I, um, I know Bill and Tom, you know, coordinated the uh, the video. But uh, I would tell our rookies in this opening game of the season, we have to win this game. This this is the most important game. You know, like it's it's opening day. What does it matter? We got sixteen weeks. I'm like, no. If we don't win this game, we're gonna have to come back here in January. And this is a tough place to play anytime, but it's really tough in the playoffs. And that was the approach when you played these guys. And uh, it was a division game. And I've never told anybody this, but Tom was a big reason why I decided to stay in the AFC after I left the Colts. I mean, I easily could have gone to a couple of NFC, NFC teams, but I thought, no, look, I played against Tom a bunch and the Patriots, and eventually you're going to have to play him at some point. Even if you go to the AFC and you make the Super Bowl, uh, you're probably going to play them. I said, you know, let me at least try to earn it in the AFC, you know, seeing them in the playoffs. And so um, I enjoyed those games. I enjoyed that rivalry. And so um, that was actually one of the reasons I decided to stay in the AFC. Let's Go is brought to you by USAA. USAA was started in 1922 by a group of soldiers who made a promise to always take care of their own. And after 100 years, USAA is still serving the military and their families. Find out more at USAA.com. Slash 100. USAA. I'm Jim Gray, and you're listening to the best of Let's Go right here on Sirius XM. Stay with us as the Tom Brady Retirement Party continues. It's Dog Days with Dusty and Danny. Aaron Rodgers, all eyes are on him. It's so wild, right? How many times have you heard of anybody going into four days of darkness to come out and make his decision on if he's going to play or not? Happens all the time. No big deal. People just go on four-day darkness retreats all the time. How many franchise quarterbacks host Jeopardy in the offseason? He likes being in the spotlight. It's okay. I think we all do. Join Danny Cannell and Dusty Dvorak weekdays at noon Eastern. Only on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. 
This is Let's Go. Let's Go. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Brady and Jim Gray. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray, along with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald, right here on Sirius XM. Let's Go is brought to you by American Express. You know, it's easy to get excited about going to the game. You love hearing the sound of the whistle or smelling those game day concessions from your seat. It's the stuff that reminds you of the thrill of the game. And you know that Amex will be with you every step of the way. Because when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. We spent the season focusing on greatness. So we probably need to remember just exactly where greatness comes from. And who better exemplifies that than the people who nurtured it. So to celebrate the career of the GOAT, we went right to the source and sat down with his parents, the original Tom Brady, Tom Brady Sr., and his mom, Galen Brady. This is a treat. Thanks, Jim, for including uh, us. I love having my mom and dad on with us, and they've been a part of every moment up and down. They, it's what unconditional love is truly all about. Well, Tommy's pretty easy to love. You know, I was thinking this morning about, um, you know, this whole, his whole career, and sometimes I was thinking it's kind of like when you read a really, really good book, you know, each chapter is different. You know, it's one chapter you cry, the next chapter you're, you're laughing, and then you come to the last few pages and it's like, I don't want this book to end. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great story. And, yeah. you know, I feel like Tommy's career has been a really, really great story. You know, we've been, our family has been so blessed, you know, with, uh, with his with his career and watching him play football and you know the excitement and it's kept our family you know so close together and you know for you know we'll be forever grateful for that and you know people always say oh you must be so happy to see you know to hear that he's retiring and um and i think you know we are happy but there's also a sadness that goes with it too because i loved watching him run on the field and his enthusiasm and and yelling, let's go. And I think you're right, Jim. That's going to, I don't think there'll ever be another TV 12 out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there will be certainly, uh, certainly a void in our life because not only has it been the football, but it's, it's been an, it's been an occasion for us on a regular basis uh, to have, family and loved ones and friends all around us who would come to the games with us and be with us. And this, this has kept us close and to dear friends for 25 years. And, um, and while we may have missed some things, we gained far more in as a result of, of having our friends come to the games and celebrate with us and celebrate and our, our family, our daughters and their husbands and our grandkids. And um, it's hard to even put into context all the joy that we've gotten and, and the anticipation, the, the uh, planning to go to the games, the schedules come in and we, we plan our schedules out well in advance and know when we're getting there. And we leave on Friday and come home on Monday. And it, it, it's, it's not like just, hey, going to a game. Our TV for 25 years has not been on any other channel than the NFL channel and ESPN. 
because every game that he played in and every game in the league meant something. If even when he was in the AFC, we were watching <laughs> NFC games because we're figuring out who we're going to be playing in the Super Bowl. And in, in watching the AFC games, we're, we're seeing how, how do we line up and are we getting home field advantage this year? And, you know, we've had home field advantage and been to so many conferences. Um, we're freaking spoiled and our TV is going to be broken because it has no other channels than NFL and, uh, and ESPN. They never missed a game. It's, yeah. it's astonishing. What I should have done is, is gone and shorted all the airline stocks. <laughs> there's going to be a serious uh, impact to the bottom line now that the Brady family and the contingent doesn't have to travel as much as they used to. And, uh, it's time for me to make some travels out west, which I'm really looking forward to to be to spend time with them. Tommy, several people uh, uh, wanted to pay tribute to your great career. Let's start with Patrick Mahomes. He's playing in the Super Bowl this week. What's up, Tom? I just want to say congrats on retirement. Uh, you had a hell of a career that all of us will be chasing for a very long time. I'm happy for you, but I'm just a little bit happy to see you go too. So uh, congrats, man. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the feeling. Thanks, Patrick. I know he knows how, how highly I think of him and had a lot of uh, different chances to spend time with him. And I love watching him play. I love, obviously, his style and his charisma and what he's, you know, he's a, he's all about the team, too. And I uh, wish him nothing but the best. And he's got a big game coming up this week. These are the ones you remember the rest of your life. So I'm excited to watch him play like I always am. The next up that wants to honor you is the man that you met with your father for the first time. On the 18th hole of Augusta National, here's Jack Nicholas. As a boy from Ohio State and you from Michigan, we've uh, we've gone a little bit like this at uh, with our schools. But I'll tell you one thing: I've rooted for you hard all through the years. I loved your 20 years at, with the Patriots and, and your your last few years with with, uh, with Tampa Bay and winning Super Bowls both places and the record you've had a record I don't think it's going to be matched. You're you're in my opinion the best of all time and uh, I think that's a, that's a pretty good moniker to have. And uh, so congratulations, Tom. Wish you well. Hope our paths cross again soon. Yeah, so kind. And loved getting to meet Mr. Nicholas there with my dad. There couldn't be a better person than me. With my, Fell in love with the game of golf because my dad and my mom and the, the fact that we still get to cherish those memories together and to travel to the coolest places to get to play and share those memories is, is that's, uh, you know, that's why you play the game. And um uh, Obviously, to meet Mr. Nicholas uh, at Augusta, walking off the 18th green, probably after shooting about a 97, unfortunately. Um, but it was a, a, <laughs> one of the great highlights of my life. Well, we had to have him on the program. He won Augusta National at age 46. Uh, you won a Super Bowl at age 43. He has the most majors. You have the most Super Bowls. So really appropriate to get uh, uh, Jack Nicholas on here with us. And we thank Jack. Uh, uh, now a man who uh, written so many books on on leadership and identity, uh, our good friend Stedman Graham, uh, who you speak to regularly, uh, sends along his his wishes. Here we go. Thank you for your determination, your perseverance, your dedication, and also your leadership. Enjoy your journey. Uh, best wishes to you and to your mom and dad, and also to your family. Love you, brother. Thanks, Teddy. I know. What a great supporter and friend over the years and someone I look up to who does everything the right way and has his priorities right. He's got amazing integrity and uh, always seeks to help people 
Um, one of the best listeners and one of the best people uh, that have given me advice in my life. And, and, and I love Stedman. He's just a special man. And we've got one more, and we'll wrap up the tributes and the uh, best wishes with this. Um, who would know better what it's like to step away from a glorious career um, and how, how difficult it is and what it takes? Here's Oprah Winfrey. Hey, Tom. Oprah here. I just wanted to say I understand so fully, deeply, what it means to leave something that is more than a passion, more than a job, more than work, more than a career even. It was you, it was you, you were it, it's your life. Um, I understand what it means to walk away from something like that and the courage it takes to do it, the thought that goes behind it, in it, all the way through it and the meaning that it holds for the rest of your life. And what I'm wishing for, praying for, hopeful for, for you, is that that meaning expands and deepens and rises in ways that you never imagined. And that now that you have laid down that part of your life, that you come on up to the rising of the rest of your life in ways that excite you, in ways that are unimaginable to you, in ways that glorify your being here on earth. Blessings to you. So kind and thoughtful, and it's hard to do justice to, to Oprah, but you know, I love my time spending with her, and, um, and I appreciate the advice, and the plan is to do just that. You know, hopefully my friends said, well, you kind of only work on Sundays, you know, your whole life and, <laughs> and, and allow people to cheer. Maybe they can cheer for your other days of the week, too. So uh, I, it's 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 there's a lot of fun things ahead, a lot of great opportunities to enjoy and share. And, and I'm excited to, you know, open my mind up to the possibilities of life as well with the right priorities um, and the right commitments to the right people and. Um, and I have that, I have a great foundation because of the people that I'm on with right now. They taught me about love, commitment, trust, loyalty, resilience, all the different aspects of life. And I had no two greater role models in my life than my mom and dad. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah. We love awesome. you so much. Yeah, we do. We love you. That's Tom Brady and I'm Jim Gray. This has been the best of Let's Go. For more from our guests this season, you can find every full episode available right now on the SXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. Simply search, let's go. We work with the two best experts in the game, and any athlete will tell you it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com. It's powered by the number one mortgage lender in America, United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, number 3038, licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. Let's go presented by Hertz. We want to thank our terrific producer, Dave the Snake Hagen, with production assistance from Harris Fabishoff and Brady Gardner. Also a special shout out to Scott Greenstein and Steve Cohen from SiriusXM. We want to thank our terrific sponsors, Hertz, American Express, USAA, Bank of America, K Jewelers, 
United Wholesale Mortgage, Brady Brand, Morton's The Steakhouse, Mastro's, Del Frisco's, and Golden Nugget Hotel and Casinos. Let's Go with Tom Brady was produced by 199 Productions and Scratchy Productions. Thanks so much for joining us this season. And we'll be here with you again next fall for the kickoff of the 2023 NFL season right here on Let's Go. Have a great offseason, everybody. Thanks so much. I'm Jim Gray for Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. Let's go.